So for the next three weeks, we've been talking about what we're going to do, you know, in the, in the sermon series here at Family Bible Church, and I wanted to take us back almost a full year now, if you can believe it, to kind of some things that the leadership team did at Family Bible Church that kind of set us in a certain direction as a church. Um, we've had a couple of off-sites before where we call them retreats, where we go out and we kind of get and, you know, rent a place out, and we'd hang out and talk. But this time when we met, it was almost a, almost a year ago, about 11 months ago, we just spent a Saturday going around our community and, and praying that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that he's doing in our community, but also at Family Bible Church. And, and this is a really powerful day. It was one day um, where the leadership team got together, but it was really powerful because uh, God began to kind of form some things in us that we, we recognize. And I want to share a few of them with you. Um, you have heard some of these already, by the way. Um, we talked before about how how uh, God gave us um, the ability to see how we actually function as a church, right? Local churches, there's nothing in the Bible that says, and this is how a local church must work. And so leadership team went out and we talked about this, and we ended up kind of realizing the way we actually function. There's a group of men here at Family Bible Church who lead Family Bible Church, and they're called the leadership team, right? And we talk a lot about, as leadership team, how we lead, how we serve, because we don't believe we're like lording it over leaders, but we're leaders who are serving in the church with many, many of you who serve. The, the people who serve here at Family Bible are amazing. There's so many people that serve. Um, we regularly have, like, we have roster issues trying to make everyone fit into the program we used to schedule servant leaders in our church. But a leadership team uh, serves as leaders, so we realized that we were um, elder-led. We function on the biblical idea of eldership, right? It doesn't mean because we're old. It means because we are um, called to lead this group of people in this place. So we talked about that, I don't know when that was, uh, a few months ago in a, in a sermon series. And then um, we talked about we're pastorally charged, right? God kind of showed us that, that. I'm one of the pastors here at Family Bible Church. Dan Burns is a pastor at Family Bible Church. And Chris Robarts is a pastor at Family Bible Church. And that means that the leadership team gives us stuff that we're supposed to do. And they say, here's what you, you're supposed to do. And when we do things they don't want us, that they don't want us doing, they say, stop that. <laughs> and if we, if we uh, uh, don't do things they want us to do, they say, start that. And sometimes they say, hey, just do what God's leading you to do. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it works, right? <laughs> Okay. All two of you agree? No. <laughs> Chris is like, I don't know what you're talking about. No one talks to me about my, my pastorate. Uh, so we're, we're pastorally charged, meaning we have a responsibility. And then the third is that we're congregationally affirmed. And that means that all of you matter, that we discern what God is doing through you and your response. When we bring things to you, we say, hey, here's what's going to happen. Or here's where we think God's leading us. Or here's what we want to do. And based on what we see the response from you all, then... We respond accordingly to the opportunity. So there have been some things that we've said, we should do this, and there's been no response, and so we've not done it as a church body. And there's been some things that we've said, hey, what do you guys think? And there's this huge momentum that we didn't create that God has in your hearts that drives that ministry. And it's huge when we get that right. So those are kind of some of the things um, that we realized from this leadership offsite. But something else happened as well. Um, God began to give us a, a vision for the mission of Family Bible Church. Now we've talked before about the last week, we had a 10th anniversary celebration, which was awesome. And we talked before about how um, we had this uh, authenticity knit into our DNA by our founding members, right? That we started this church to be real people, authentic and honest with one another. And that's huge, and it still permeates who we are. 
And then we've had a kind of a tagline for a while. It was like, you know, love God, love others, right? If you travel at all, you will see that on a lot of other billboards also. It's just this nice little thing. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the greatest commands. And so we take that to love God, love others. But we started to say, well, what does it really mean to love God? What does it really mean for us at Family Bible Church to love others? And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to talk about what we discerned that means for Family Bible Church. This is an opportunity to have conversations about it um, and, and uh, what that should look like. But it's, I thought it was beautiful that this kind of came out. It was like a birth uh, process of a vision of what God could be uniquely calling and equipping the church to do. Uh, the offsite was not about us saying, because I'll, I'll say this, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple weeks too. There were some things that we felt like God was calling us to do that we're doing a bad job of. We asked that. When we said, what do you think God's called and equipped us to do? And, and we're like, you know, kind of listening, and we're like, you know, we think it's this, we think it's that. We're discerning this together, right? It's not what we want for the church. And then we asked, are we doing a good job or a bad job? And some of the answers, we're not doing a great job of that, really. And I love that. I love that idea, um, that we can get together and have honest conversations and then really see where God's working and where we can, um, you know, step up, step back, and follow him better. So today we're going to talk about the first um, kind of principle that we came to, or this first kind of idea of what we're called to do. And it's not going to be a surprise to you if you've been around church at all, and it's to make disciples. It's like the primary call of the church. It's the primary call of the church globally, to make disciples. And uh, with a verse we're going to cover today, you've heard before. But we're going to study it again because I think it's huge for the life of the church. Before we get into scripture today, I'm going to ask that you who are gathered here would do with me what we always do, which is to pray. Uh, you don't need to hear what I thought up or what my ideas were or anything about Bill Dempsey or anything else. You need to hear what God has to say to you today, what God has to say to me today. And we need his divine intervention, his revelation from his word. The Bible is inspired by God. We can pray to be inspired to understand it. That's the only way to understand what scripture says is to ask God to show you wisdom. And so I'm going to ask you who are willing to enter into prayer with me now if we enter into God's word. Father, we just thank you so much for the chance to be gathered in your house today to worship you. Uh, we, we claim that you're worthy of all worship, not, not just all of our worship, Father. We, we feel that internally as your, as your people, that you rightly deserve praise, but that you deserve worship from every mouth on this earth, every heart that's beating right now on this earth, every person gathered you deserve us to recognize you as who you are, our Lord and our God, our Father and our Savior. And so, Father, um, we pray that we would do that quickly today, that we would be willing to listen to you. Uh, for all the stuff that we came in here with, and there's tons of stuff in this world that can be distractions and burdens and, and, and confusing for us, we pray we could lay it aside and we could listen to you. And then the prayer, which is a God-sized prayer, we ask is that when we leave today, we'd be different that, that we would not leave the same. We ask that for every person here today. Would you show us truth we need to hear today? Uh, would you convict us of sin that we have, that we could repent and believe good news? And would you call us forward into a life that is better than a life we could have ever hoped for on our own? We could truly follow you with all that we are in this life. Um, I hope you will do this. I know you're pleased to do it for your people. I pray that you would do these things uh, in your, the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's huge to ask God to intervene in that way. We're going to look at uh, the Gospel of Matthew. By the way, before we get there, I'm going to ask you, if, did you grab an engagement sheet today? Did all of you grab one on the way in? It's, yeah, a few of you have them. That's cool. So 
I want to share, this is actually the statement that the leadership team came up with on making disciples, right? And you'll see this a couple places at Family Bible Church, but it's actually right there in front of you. I want you to have a copy of it as well. And this is what, what the team came up with. We want to become learners who teach others of Jesus and teachers who learn of Jesus from one another. And we're going to unpack that today about where we get that from Scripture and why that's such a huge deal as followers of Jesus. So we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It's on page 698. If you didn't bring a Bible today, grab one of them off the chair at the end of the rows, um, or off the table in front of you, and you can look at the Word with us. And this is what the Word says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many of you have heard that before? Like it has to be almost everyone here has heard it before, right? Like, that verse has been, and we've talked about it a ton at Family Bible Church. It's called the Great Commission. It's this uh, call for the church to move forward with Christ. I want to remind you a few things about what the Word says about where this happens. Uh, Dan said this morning about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. Like, this is post-crucifixion, right? When Jesus says these words, he's been killed at the hands of, of the Roman Empire, but also at the hands of his fellow Jews and other people, including his disciples who fell away and Peter denied him. Like, Jesus says these words, after all that stuff happens and he dies on the cross for our sins. It also happens after Jesus is called forth from the grave. Right? So he's raised to new life. And all of a sudden, these words are huge because he has spent his life walking with people and teaching and healing and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, which is radical and offensive to the religious people. Who gives you the right to forgive sins? But now, after dying on the cross, after being raised from the dead, Jesus comes back and he says these words to his disciples. So this is huge. So much of what we read in Scripture, you have to recognize in the context of what's happening. And so today we're going to unpack this verse a little bit and see, well, what does it say then about us as disciples? This first idea we've talked about before. By the way, on the back of your engagement sheet, there's some space for notes. You can take notes, and those are for you to have and take with you um, as you move forward. But the first huge principle is this, that disciples are learners. Now, we've talked about this before. It's been a while, family battle church. We talked about this idea that fundamentally, in the Greek, to be a disciple of Jesus means to be willing to learn about Jesus, to be willing to learn from Jesus. The Greek word is mathetes. The, the core is math, right? And, and it means a student, or it could mean an apprentice, someone who is sitting at the foot of a master and learning a craft, someone who, who comes and, and listens and, and is willing to be open to being changed. To, to leaving um, different than they showed up. I, I love um, the process of education. I don't know if everyone does, right? Some of you. Uh, we had some graduation parties, right? And some of the cards were really funny because they said, uh, um, this is history, and they pointed to the school. <laughs> you know, like you spend your whole life trying to top learning. <laughs> I'm so sick of people telling me what to think or what. I have to get all these tests and do all this stuff right. 
But Jesus and this idea of being a disciple of his is like lifelong learner. Lifelong learner. And, that, and that's huge. The idea that we would set at his feet and we learn from him and from one another about this good news that we've come to believe, which is really, really radical as well. Um, so looking at the, what the verse says, it says, after it says, all authority on, in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, which is huge, because I told you he died for our sins and he was raised to new life, like literally raised, like you and me, flesh and blood walking around raised. He then says these words, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Because I have this authority, go make disciples of all nations. And actually, the way it reads, it says, having gone, disciple all nations. Making disciples, it's like this, it's a noun, right? We are disciples. But he says, no, because I have this authority, disciple all nations. This is your call. This is your response to the gospel. This is your response to the good news that I'm not dead, but I'm alive. That you would disciple all nations. Now see, being a learner has some benefits that might not be evident at first, right? I mean, really, you might go, well, I don't know if I want to be a learner, Bill. Really? Is this what it means to follow Jesus? What would be some benefits of being a lifelong learner? I'm going to kind of break it out here for a minute and try to explain a little bit of some of the benefits. You might see more than I see. But the first one for me, which is huge, is that you and I don't have to know everything. Like, do you feel that? (laughs) The burden to know everything is lifted. (laughs) You don't have to have all the answers. Um, I can't tell you how many Christians that I talk to who love Jesus, but they're so afraid to talk or to live in that space where Jesus is calling them forward because they're afraid that they might not have an answer when someone asks, or they're afraid that they might not know the right answer. And what a sad thing that we'd be encumbered by, because the very word disciple means we're learning. We're learning. Someone looks over the, the history of family battle church and they say, well, man, you've got some stuff right, you've got some stuff wrong, and you know what our answer is? We're learning. Do you know what I'm saying? Has anyone learned anything at family Bible church since you started coming here? Good, four of you. <laughs> right? How many of you knew everything when you got here and we're just not quite there yet? We need you to be a leader if that's the case. <laughs> Right? I mean, you, I've learned so much. You've learned so much. We learn so much just following God, being sold out to him, and like, whatever you have for us, show us where you're calling us to be. What a beautiful and empowering thing that we don't have to know everything. That's one of the huge benefits where I sit uh, of being a learner, a disciple of Jesus. Here's the second thing. We can be eager to learn again. Eager to learn. I'm really struck by this idea that whenever children are born, I love babies, and you know that I love babies, right? And I love toddlers. If, if, have you ever just watched little kids? They're always looking around. You know what I mean? Do you ever feel the pressure of a small child looking at you like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? They don't say that because they can't talk. You know what I mean? But they're looking at you, right? If you think they're not watching you, you're wrong. They're totally dialed in. What is this life about? What do you believe? What's this? You know what I mean? And they're looking. How will they exist? Why do babies walk? Why do babies walk? Do we like set them down and say, now you must walk. And here's the manual on how you walk. Read page 79. (laughs) You know, I must push myself up. I must cruise along furniture. Whatever the process is. No. Because God made us to be learners. 
You, stand, you, you get up, you stumble, you fall. You know why babies want to walk? There's one reason babies want to walk. You know why? Because all of you walk. You're all walking around babies, <laughs> you know? They're like, this stinks. They're crawling around, eating carpet, falling on their face, you know? If I could ever take three steps off one of my face, that would be amazing. We're made to be learners. And maybe school ruined that for you. But here's an opportunity to be an eager learner, to say, you know what? It's about God and who he is, about me learning from him. It's not about me having all the answers, and I can, I can just sit back and, and, and see and watch. We're going to talk about all these things today, how Jesus modeled this very thing in his life on this earth. How about this? We have the ability to be humble toward others then. If we don't have all the answers, right, and we're eager to learn, it means when someone doesn't agree with us or something else is completely, we think that's crazy, we can say, why do you believe that? Maybe they know something that you don't know. Maybe God has shown them something that you need to hear. And so we can be humble toward one another. That's huge. Show, show me where that comes from. Show me why you live that way. What, what a secret do you have about life? So much to learn together. And the last thing I'll say about this is that the uh, opportunity to uh, be a learner of Jesus starts right now. <laughs> like right now where you are, wherever you are. The ridiculous thing is you can become a disciple of Jesus. You can just say, I want to learn of Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to learn about Jesus. I want, I want to see what this Jesus is about. And you can just start becoming a learner. That's all it means. And it's the same for everyone, no matter where you are today. No matter, no matter what you think about your own spiritual life, you can begin to learn of Jesus. Wow. You know, because we kind of put this disciple thing on this high, holy shelf. You know, like, oh, those are disciples. Look at them. You know, we have, like, names like disciples of Christ and all that. But it just means you're willing to learn. And which of us aren't willing to learn what we don't know? I love, I love that. Um, so we have the chance to learn some things. One thing that happens in our life, and I think I'm going to talk to some adults now for a minute, because one thing that happens for our lives is, um, I said that we see babies who always want to learn, right? And, and, then, and then something happens in our lives at a certain period where we all of a sudden think that we know everything. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you guys remember that? When you, how many of you had stupid parents? <laughs> right? Just dumb parents. You're like, my parents don't know. And I know you're thinking, man, do you read the Bible that says, honor your father and your mother? But, you know, we all do that, don't we? If I can't wait to get out of this house and I'm going to show them how to live my life, <laughs> you know? By the way, if you're not having your kids say that to you, you're probably parenting wrong because my kids, no, I'm not saying this, but my kids have said to me, wait, you wait till you get out of here. We'll show you how to live, okay? Show me. <laughs> I would say that age comes around 16, is it? 15, 16? <laughs> Uh, I always say this. My uncle had a thing on his fridge. He said, teenagers, quick, pack your things and move out while you still know everything. <laughs> you know? Show me. I love that, right? But now to the adults, we've all been, when do you get to the place where you sit back and you go, you know what? I was wrong. I don't know everything. I got a lot to learn. My parents weren't as dumb as I thought they were. Right? Wow. You grow up, and you re-enter this process of learning. That's what it means to be a disciple, to have some maturity. I wonder today, are, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus in your life?
Do you want to cast off the things you said, man, that's so broken in the church, it's so messed up, and you want to say, you know what, I want to learn from you. I want you to show me what you have for me. Or are you, are you willing uh, to learn? I want to share another verse of scripture with you, and we're going to get back into Matthew then, but I want to share this from Romans 12. Um, it's on the screen, so you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Um, this is what Paul says. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now listen to verse 3 here. For by the grace given me, I say to each of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Do you see the rebuke there? Don't think of yourselves more highly than you should, but use sober judgment when thinking of yourself. And this includes when you follow Jesus. I get it, man. I know how things should be done better. And I'm sure you do too. But do we look rightly and say, oh, I got to have some humility here. I, I could be wrong. I need to learn from someone. I need to sit and, and, and listen to other people teaching and leading me. That's a huge step, right? All right. Now we're going to buzz through a few things pretty quickly here. So the next thing, disciples are followers. I've said to you in the last few weeks repeatedly, this was a simple command that Jesus gave to people. Follow me. Two words. Follow me. He would just be walking along. You'd be doing life as normal. You're, you're sitting in your tax collector's booth. You're fishing in the lake. You're working your father's business. You're doing your things you always do. And Jesus comes into our lives in that moment, and he says two words, follow me. And no matter what concerns or convictions or passions or aggravations or anger you have towards God, you have an opportunity to respond and say, I'm going to follow him, or I'm not. I say that because you look at the scriptures, and when people follow Jesus, many of them followed him for a while, and they walked away. But not all of them did. Some of them kept following, kept looking, and kept listening to Jesus. This is the mark of a disciple to follow Jesus in our lives in a, in a real way. You might say, well, how do we follow Jesus now in our lives? First of all, scriptures record Jesus' life. Have you spent time reading the scripture? Have you looked and asked hard questions? Have you taken it away from the Sunday school Jesus into a real, living, breathing person who walked this earth and said, why did Jesus do that? Why would he respond that way? What, what can I learn from him in this area? Following Jesus. The striking thing about following Jesus is this. When, when the disciples followed him, not all, not all believed. Wait. Not any of them believed. <laughs> they just started following him. You know this because later on in the scriptures it says, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and suddenly they believed, and suddenly Peter understood in his heart who Jesus is. But he'd been following a long time, watching and observing his pattern of life and, and, and ex examining what's he really about. And then in a moment, it all clicks. And they're like, he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. He's come to redeem Israel and all the people of God. To follow Jesus is a radical call in our lives, but it's a simple one, and we can all do it. 
Are you willing to look honestly? And I'm going to say, are you willing to cast off all the junk, man, that you've seen? Broken church, sin-filled humanity. And maybe some of you are here at Family Bible Church, and you've seen broken junk, sinful humanity at Family Bible Church. Are you willing to look at that and say, I'm not, I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to see his pattern, his model. I'm going to read the scripture for myself and see what it actually says Jesus did. Because that will change your life. So the question then is, are you following Jesus in your life? And not here on Sundays, and not whenever all your church friends are around, but are you really following him? Are you looking to him each day to lead you? It's the second mark of a, of a follower of Jesus. All these, by the way, in Matthew 28, until we're getting back here, all these things that are said are true of these guys who are gathered there, the 11 who came to find Jesus. They were following him, and they had kept following him. They continued to follow him. Another mark of a disciple is that they're goers. They're goers, right? Disciples are on the move. Over and over again in Scripture, Jesus would just move from place to place. He was not sedentary. He didn't hang around. He didn't please people. He didn't wait. It was crazy. Like, people would say, oh, the healing was awesome, Jesus. Let's do healing for seven more days. And he would say, no, I've got to go over here to the floor of town and heal there too. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. And so the disciples are constantly packing up their stuff and following him, you know. Jesus says about his own life, he says, the, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. When he sent disciples out to, to preach the gospel, he said, don't take a hat or, or an extra coat. Don't take your, your boots. Just take your sandals, one pair of sandals. Don't take any food with you. And just go and, 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 and preach the good news. Because the disciples are goers. Here in this verse, it says what? Go. Verse 19, therefore go. Because I have this authority, go. And we talked about that before. But I want to show you something else in this passage, which is remarkable to me. The disciples, not only are goers when Jesus said go, but they had been goers before. Right? Because if you remember the resurrection story, Jesus was raised from the dead. The women came back and they told the men what they saw at the tomb. And the men didn't believe. And they're like, you're crazy. We saw him die on the cross. Jesus is not alive. And then they said, uh, in verse, look at in verse 10, if you would, of chapter 28. It says, The women came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers, here's the word, to go to Galilee where they will see me. So no matter what the doubts that the disciples and apostles had, they're like, you've got to go to see Jesus. You need to follow him over there. And then look with me, if you would, in verse 16. So the 11 disciples went. See, they were goers before Jesus said, go make disciples. Having gone, actually, isn't that interesting as well? You're going to go all kind of places in this life. When you go, make disciples there. That's what Jesus says. Having gone, disciple the nations. Wherever I send you, disciple the nations. Wherever you end up, disciple the nations. The disciples were goers after Jesus' own heart, so they went. I don't think we fully appreciate the amount of conviction and courage it took for them to go. I mean, not only did they see Jesus die, but they must have been heartbroken. This is the, the, the master they loved. We sang that song about laying back in his chest and listening to his heartbeat. That was true for one of his disciples who had reclined with him at the table and heard his, felt his embrace and heard his heart, knew his words, and he had died. 
and yet they still went. What does the word say? I mean, look at it with me. I'm not making this up. It says, they went to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So here they are. They see him, and they're worshipping. And I've said this before, but some are like, I don't know about this whole thing. But man, they're still there. They still followed him. They still went. And that, by the way, is a testimony of a true disciple. Someone who does it even when you doubt. Someone who does it even when you're not totally sure. That's a mark of a disciple. We're going to do it. We're going to see if Jesus is who he says he is. We're going to see if he shows up like he said he would show up. So I wonder, are you willing to go when Jesus said go? And by the way, listen to my words. Not when I say go, but when God says go, are you going to go? If God says, meet me there, are you going to show up and meet him there? Even if the whole way over, he ain't with you until you get there and you just stand there going, well, I'm here, what are we doing? Because that's the faith we see in the disciples who follow Jesus. Are you willing to go? We have, we have opportunities in this community to go as a church. We do. But I'm not telling you to go. I ask you to pray. Is God calling you to do that? Is God calling you to be part of that? We have opportunities. We have some things come up in the Schweitzer Fest. You can go and hang out with the community at the Schweitzer Fest. You can go and serve food. We're going to have a food booth there. But I'm not trying to promote the food booth. Go up and listen to the bands. Go up and hang out at the beer tent. Just go, go see the parades. Bring your grandkids out or your kids out or your parents out. And just ask when you're there. Have eyes to see all that God has given us to do here in Highland. God, what would you have me to do here? It's a mark of a disciple to be willing to go. We have an opportunity coming up as a CAC in East St. Louis to go and to do some work days. Pray about that. Is God calling you to go to East St. Louis to work in the projects? Sounds radical, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like 20 minutes from here. Will you go? Pray about it. Is God calling you to go? Man, and if you pray, you're like, God ain't calling me. Great. <laughs> Great. But at least ask, God, are you going to be there? We just got a team back from Honduras. We have the Fickers down in Guatemala. Pray. Is God calling you to go down there and see the Fickers? Or not? Let your yes be yes, your no be no. God's clear. Ask. And then if he says go, you got to go, man, am I willing to believe that? Is that from you? Are you calling me into this? All right, the, the next thing here. Disciples are teachers, right? And that's what the word says. Therefore, go make disciples. By the way, let me just throw in a quick thing about baptism. I didn't put it in the list today. But baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. I want to take a quick pause on baptism, and I want to talk about teaching just for a second, okay? Who has the right to baptize disciples of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Who has God called to say to someone who wants to confess faith in Christ and to be baptized and, and to, to, to testify to their belief, who has the right to then say, it's my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Many of you probably think, well, the pastor does. But do you see who he's talking to? Disciples. Would you ever have the courage to do that? 
And I know I'm challenging your presumptions because you're like, no, wait a minute. I was raised in church, and I know you're supposed to have a bathtub in the front of the room where we get in and get wet. That's where it's at. But you know you've been here before. We've been in lakes. We've been in public pools. We've threatened to go into the fountain on the square before. <laughs> it's deep enough. <laughs> right? Backyards, barbecues, disciple-making camp. Come on. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why would we turn our back on that opportunity? Maybe God's telling you to do that. But then teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I want to say a couple things about the teaching idea here, and then we're going to wrap up. So here's the thing, right? You might say, I'm not much of a learner. Did you hear the statement earlier? Teachers who learn and learners who teach. Those are all the same. That's not two groups of people. That's the one person we're talking about there at Family Bible Church. Teachers who learn and learners who teach about Jesus. That, that you have something to teach others. That there's something that God has shown you that others need to hear. Not like a passive, it would be nice if I knew that, but like maybe someone's dying to know the truth that you've discovered in Jesus that you need to share with someone else. And I'm talking to everybody. Because you might say, well, I'm too young, I'm too new of a Christian, I'm too old, I'm too bitter of a Christian, I'm too angry, I'm too whatever. Man, if you're following Jesus, his command here says that the disciples should go into all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I want to say something about it. You might say, well, he meant the 11, but he meant y'all. He said, you all, y'all, y'all go into the nations, baptizing, making disciples, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded y'all. You're going to meet people who don't know about Jesus, and our call is to you know, present the gospel and to share the gospel through our life and through our energy and effort, but then to say to them, you know, this is what Jesus says. And man, we need to hear that from one another. The commands that Jesus has given us. Recognizing his authority over our lives teaching one another to obey all that God has commanded. No teacher or no student is above his master. None. None of us. And so each of us need one another to come and say, hey, you're getting this wrong. Get it, get it right. Do you know what the Bible says about that? I can't tell you how many times I've just been blown away by instruction I've been given. Praise God. I remember, I, I, real quick, I remember one time that uh, this lady cornered me at the hospital to, to preach at me for 20 minutes easy about how women shouldn't be preachers. Like, she was preaching at me for 20 minutes about it. She knew I was a preacher. She's like, and women ought not be preachers. And I can tell you why I ought not be preachers, because in this verse it says that, and in this verse it says that. And I'm like, hey, 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 I got it. But it's ironic, wasn't it? Because she's preaching. She's teaching. Why we rebuke that? How, why don't we open to that? Are you willing to listen to others and learn about Jesus? It's all part of it. Um, I'm going to flip Romans 4 and 5. Uh, Romans 12, 4 and 5. Right up where we were at before, right? Don't think of yourself more highly. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same purpose, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the rest. How foolish do we think that I don't need to know what my finger knows, or I don't need to know what the back of my head knows, I don't need to know what my feet know. Of course you do. We're one person. We're one body of Christ. We need to know. And therefore, we're all called uh, to be teachers, teaching to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. Opportunities abound to do this. Are you willing to teach others through your, through your gifts that God has given you? But are you willing to teach others through your passion? Or, or are you willing to teach others 
Teach others through your example. Do you know how powerful example teaching is? Do you know that people are watching you, how you live your life in Christ? I can tell you, I watch all of you. I watch you. And I don't watch you to be like, oh, you got it wrong. I'm like, wow, they're doing that way better than I am. I need to learn to be like that. The Spirit convicts me. I am so bad at this. I need to be better like them. And the church encourages me to grow, and you teach one another. And if you don't recognize that, you're missing a huge part of what it means to make disciples. So are you willing to do that work? I mean, the church needs you to do that work. And then the last thing is this. Disciples are disciple makers, right? Uh, Make no mistake about it. In verse 16, when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, then later on, Jesus said, therefore, disciple all nations. That's the job. If there's one thing that you hear today, this is what I want you to hear today, is that disciples make disciples. And we have a broken model. It's someone else's job. I've had parents come to me and say, you know, I really need the church to disciple my kids. Like, are you following Jesus yourself? Are you following Jesus yourself? Because disciples make disciples. It's not someone else's job or responsibility. We're all called to do it. And that's why Family Bible, we felt that was the, the first thing that we're called to do. And that is not unique to us, but I think that the recognition that we're learners and teachers and teachers who learn is huge, huge for us as a church. He called disciples to make disciples. It's not someone else's job. And God is giving you opportunities that he's giving no one else. I mean it, wherever you are. You can be light or darkness wherever you are. God's hoping you'll be light. Um, so there you go. Are you willing to be part of the work and the, uh, the disciple-making that's happening in the world? And then I would ask a personal question. Are you will, willing to be part of the disciple-making happening at Family Bible Church right here? Are you willing to do that? I hope that you are. I mean, I really do. hope that you think you have something to give because we need the body. Um, I don't mean leaders. I mean us. All of us need one another. So... I don't know how any of that struck you today and where you are, but I want to say, in following Jesus, we have this God who says, come as you are, and he just loves us into his kingdom. The songs we sang earlier, the more, the more we see him, the more we're pleased by him, the more we're drawn to him, the more beautiful he is to us in our lives. And that means hard times, we follow Jesus. You know, great times, we follow Jesus. And we just leave it out there. Let him use it for his glory. I'm going to ask you to pray with me that God would submit whatever he needs cemented in our hearts from this teaching today, from his word, that we would really be able to live into that in the next week or two weeks or how long God's shaping this in us. Um, He died for every person on the earth. He's due for glory from every person on the earth. And I hope in your own life journey, wherever you are, that you are willing to repay him what what he deserves. Uh, Pray with me if you would. Father God, we just give you praise and thanks uh, for everything, for who you are and for all that you do. And, and Father, for this uh, universe you spoke into existence and for our, our created beings and who we are and the breath that we have in our lungs and our, our, our minds and our strength and our soul uh, and our heart that you've given us, that, that, that all these things we turn toward you. And Father, wherever we are on our journey today, I pray we take the next step for us. And uh, not that anyone's going to be impressed or look at us and say, oh, look what they're doing. They're such a good Christian. But that there'll be some change in our lives that we would reflect the gospel, that we would turn towards you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would intercede for each of us, that we would know you more fully and deeply, and that you would break through in our lives, that you would, you would cast out those old um, kind of 
strongholds that the enemy has over us that, that would be broken in your name, that it, it would be glorifying to you because we'd be set free, captive, free from sin, free from the concerns of this world, and, and free to worship you with everything that we have. And, and those kind of things, Father, are, are yours to do, and we, we can't do them without you. So we confess that we're in need of a Savior. We need you to rescue us. We need you to deliver us. We give you praise and glory. And then for those of us who become hard-hearted towards your gospel or things you're doing, we become proud and, and all that, that you would just break us down and we would be repentant and believing the good news that we're saved by faith. And that you have done all the work that needs to be done. We give you thanks and praise for that today. May you be glorified as your people respond to you in worship. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.